0: Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue this series called Breakthrough. Everybody in life needs a breakthrough somewhere in their journey. We've talked about fear, we've talked about loneliness, talked about anxiety, and today we're gonna talk about what happens if you don't get fear, loneliness, and anxiety in order you need a breakthrough with money, all right? And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. So I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Luke chapter 12 is where we're gonna camp out. If you've got your Bible, great. If you've just got the app, that's awesome because the app has all the stuff. Go to North Star Church, Georgia in the App Store and that will get everything laid out for you. So number one, Thanks for getting out. The weather this morning was just gorgeous, wasn't it? Just such a beautiful Georgia day outside. It is so pretty. So thanks for getting out. And just two, I just wanna tell you guys, I love being at this church. I love this church. So whether you're in the room, you're online, thanks for being you. This is the greatest. I look forward every Sunday to get to be here because the greatest people in the world go here. So would y'all thank the Lord for just being great people. Y'all are amazing, amazing people. Amazing people. So today, breakthrough on money. So let's get two little highlights here at the top. Number one, North Star, this isn't about North Star, okay? And let me tell you why I say that. I think a lot of times, anytime you hear something on money, you're like, okay, things must be bad. North Star is better than it's ever been, ever, in the history, 24 years, financially better than we've ever been. 2020 ended up being our, Greatest year we've ever had, crazy. Just now I'm not even gonna try to figure it out. I don't want to, because then it could go wrong. All right, and so that, that we know. So today's about you. It's not about, about Northstar, it's about you. Today we're gonna talk about a topic that I have a lot of friends, good friends, that are pastors that go, I don't ever wanna talk about money, man. All it does is make people mad, and I don't wanna step on anybody's toes. Today isn't about me, it really is about what the Lord says. So today is about if we can get this right, we can get every area of our life right. So I want you to write down a little quote, all right? Here's the quote. So this coming week, I'm on the call with two college baseball teams, and when I speak to those teams, I'm gonna share this quote, but it's not gonna be in the context we're using it. And the the quote is this. How you do anything is how you do everything, right? How you do anything it's how you do everything. So for them, I'm gonna say, if you don't study in the classroom, then you're not gonna study your position. You're not gonna learn how to throw to a hitter. You're not gonna learn how to break down a pitcher. because how you do anything is how you do everything. How you work at practice is how you're gonna work off the field. How you work in the classroom is gonna be what kind of person you'll be probably one day working in an office, just, just the way that it works. How you do anything is how you do everything. How you handle money how you handle money is really very indicative of how we do a lot in life. It's how we do everything. So today is a day for some of us, it's an area we need a breakthrough in because we are buttonheads as a couple. We really don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle it. And I'm excited because here's why. I have watched money shackle people for too long. I want you to first little blank there in your outline. Here, here's the deal about money. Money is neither good nor evil. What matters is my attitude towards it. Money's neither right, money's not wrong. How I use it, how I handle it, is what's right and wrong. So Jesus, as Jesus did, Jesus uh, is out in public, and he is teaching and sharing a conversation, and a guy shows up, and ask a question which leads to the conversation we're gonna have today, because I think Jesus does a really good job of laying it. You ever ask something sometime, and you're like, gum, I shouldn't ask that? All right, that's probably what this guy felt after he asked it, because Jesus begins to break it apart, and it really isn't the answer to his question. The answer to his question was his heart, and that's what we're gonna talk about. Would you stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? Luke chapter 12. Mike, why do you make a stand? Well, number one, it's honoring to the Lord to honor his word that way. Number two, it keeps you from sleeping while I'm talking. All right, here we go. Luke 12, just be honest with you. Luke 12, verse 13. Then someone from the crowd yelled this. So Jesus is teaching. Somebody in the crowd said, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Time out, right? So most likely we can figure out this is the younger of the two brothers, There was a law back during that time that the older brother got X part of the estate and the younger brother got this part of the estate, like a two thirds and a third. That was a law. Why did he ask Jesus? Well, Jesus was a rabbi. And as a rabbi, you could make uh, decisions about disputes. So he was recognized as a rabbi. So he wants Jesus to help make the decision on the property. But for them to even be talking about the father's estate, the father then would have had to have what? He'd had to have passed. So now dad's gone and now we're arguing about what's gonna happen with dad's stuff. Let's keep reading. Thankfully that would never happen today, just a long time ago. All right, here we go. Verse 14. So Jesus replied, this is really good, friend, friend, Who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Basically what Jesus is saying, I didn't come here to solve your property issues. I came to solve your heart issues. Verse 15, then he said this. This is the word of the morning. Beware, guard against every kind of, help me out there. Yes or no question. Does greed still exist in the world? Yes or no? Yes. Mike, how do you define greed? Really simple definition of greed. Greed equals more. That's how you define greed. Greed is more. How much is enough? Well, a little bit more. How much will make you happy? A little bit more. Greed is more. Because in a greedy person's mind, when I get a little bit more, it gives me more to hang on to. Listen to what Jesus said. Life is not measured by how much you own. In our world's eyes, it is really easy to measure our worth by what we've accumulated. That is not how God sees it. That's how greed would tell us to see it. So Jesus then tells a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Man, I've been blessed, Uh, it's unbelievable. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. Now, wheat and other goods, great. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Barns, nothing wrong with. But then look look at what he says in verse 19. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, this is interesting, I'll sit back and I'll say to who? Help me out again. Who's, it, who's he saying it to? He's very pleased with his earnings. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you've stored enough away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. So let's pause there in the story. Do you really think this guy would have sat back if he had built bigger barns and been content? Yes or no? No. So Jesus finishes the story, but God said to him, you fool, you'll die this very night. Then who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Would you pray with me? Father, speak to us, teach us, show us what you want us to know. God, may may we have one person today that gets a breakthrough because we see things that you've always wanted us to know. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. You guys can be seated. Now, it's interesting, all throughout the Proverbs, you'll see the word fool used. You do not see Jesus telling stories that call someone a fool. He doesn't do that a lot. So why would he use language like that? Two reasons, ready? I gonna pop up here on the screen. Number one, the problem was not his wealth or the size of his barn. That was not the problem. So, look, y'all, I want you to hear me. God is not against you making money. That is not what He is against. He is not against you having a big barn. It's not what He's against. Look at the second thing. Here was the problem the problem was the greed and spiritual poverty of the one that was asking the question. That was the problem. Jesus looked at this kid. And he's asking about his father's estate. And basically he's saying, when is enough ever going to be enough? When are you going to reach a point where you go, oh, I'm good. He knew that this kid was on a chase for something he would never be satisfied with. He was on a hunt for security and contentment, and if he could get that from his brother, more of his father's estate, he would be good. He would be just like the guy building the barns. So here's why I'm excited today. So back in 2003, I did our very first series called Money Talks. I was 33 years old. I'm 34 now, all right, and so I was 33. I was a youngster. And I remember speaking that day on what I knew to be true, but a lot of people in the room were older than me. Today I come as a 51-year-old guy, speaking to people in the room, a lot of you are younger than me. What was true then is true today, and it's gonna be true 200 years from now. If we can get this part of our life right, it can change everything. And God's got a plan, he talks about it all the time. So what do we need to do, ready? Lesson number one, we learn from this guy's story. Jesus always told us a story to teach us a lesson. He wanted us to get it. So lesson Learn, consider God, consider God. To guard against greed, being in my life, I think we all agree, greed is not good, right? What do I do? I consider God, always, Think of him first. Look, look at what the guy I said. This is really interesting. This guy goes, he said to himself. He didn't consider God. He didn't even think about it. He didn't think about what should I do with it? How should I handle it? So we learn a couple things. We don't own our stuff, but we're called to manage it wisely. We don't own it. You are not the owner of your stuff. Yes, I am, Mike. It's got my name on it. Okay. Can we all agree you ain't taking none with you? Can we all agree with that? None. It's not yours. You are a steward of the stuff, but it's his. And it's going to long outlive you when you're gone. So Ann and I, we like we love vacation. We don't own a place. I love to, but we don't. So we rent, just like a lot of you. We rent places. So let's say we're going to Destin, Florida. For a week, we're gonna be, dear Jesus, be better than this. But anyway, so we're gonna go to Destin for a week. Can you imagine if I showed up at Destin to a place that I do not own and I had a U-Haul full of my furniture and I moved it in for the week? Can you imagine the rental agency in Destin calling whoever I rented from going, "Uh, we got a problem, this guy thinks he owns the place. No, I'm just leasing the place. I steward what I don't own. Does that make sense to everybody? He is, when you get this, it changes everything. He owns all things. So does God need our money? No. Why does God want us to get this area right? Because either we hold our money loosely or our money holds us. And it can change everything about us. You've got to consider God. And you've got to think about we don't own our own stuff, but we're called to manage it wisely. But look at the second part. The borrower servant to the lender. Who, whoever owns it's in charge. Listen, we spent the most of our church experience here in debt. 2013, we were $6.89 million in debt. That'll keep you up at night. $6.89 million. You go to bed, you don't think about it. I thought about it every night when I went to bed. Our payment every month was $46,700 we paid the bank so we could keep that loan. We weren't paying anything off. We're just keeping up. And I remember we would sit down and dream new dreams as a staff, and the bank would go, "Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. We're, we're thinking we could do this, and the bank's like, nah, debt ratio is terrible. I don't think so. And there was a period they put us in the special assets group of the bank, all right? And I remember sitting in our first meeting with the bank and Jamie, our business administrator, if you know Jamie, you'll appreciate this. He said, the guy goes, well, y'all are now in our special assets unit. And basically, Jamie said, so we're basically the financial version of the special victims unit, all right? And so you, nobody really wants us. And then the guy's like, well, I guess you could say that because we were servant. To the lender. Well, y'all know in 2018, you paid off that debt. $6.89 million of debt is gone. You know what we get to do with money now? Whatever we wanna do. And it sure is more fun. Look at the third part of it. God expects believers to support the work of his church. So God lays out a system in his words called tithing in his words. We give him the first 10 and then we live off 80 and save. So this, 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 this is the way my parents taught me. When I was getting ready to graduate college, I remember my dad sitting me down and I was graduating to be a youth pastor, which y'all know you're, you're crushing it, all right, in finance. So my dad sat down and goes, okay, with a little bit of money you're about to make, here, here's the way, Mike, if you'll live this way, it'll change your life. Learn to live off 80. Give God the first 10 and save 10. One day, 30 years from now, you're gonna look back and be glad you did. I've been out of school 30 years. I have absolutely no regrets with money. You know why? Because we learned early, it's his, not mine. So I'm gonna give this to him as a reminder and I'm gonna learn to live off 80 and save 10, 10% every year of what we've made. We're at the point now that's a game changer. But what the principle was, my dad taught me was consider God first. He owns it. It's not yours, Mike. Because everything that you think is yours, you will leave. every young couple I sit down with getting them ready for marriage, we have this conversation because the typical young couple wants to accomplish in the first six months what it took their parents 30 years to get. And so what do they go? They go in what? Debt. Debt. And what the credit cards love to give you money, right? And you just don't have the ability to pay it back. Consider God. So my parents passed it on to me. We've tried to pass it on to my kids. My kids are adults now. Both of my children got the give to God piece. One of my children, I have two, one of my children, I won't use their names because so y'all won't know who they are, but one of my children, one of my children got the how to handle the 80%. One of my children, that's been a struggle, the 80%. What to, how to handle the, she gives to the Lord, but how to handle the rest of it (laughs) that she struggled with. So this past year, and Mary Michael, if you're, oh, I'm sorry, we gonna use your name. If, you, if you're watching today, I, I share this in love. So she's, she got engaged. Her little fiance now called me. And he said, Mr. Mike, I'd like to meet with you. And I'm like, okay. And so we met at Starbucks across from Day's Chevrolet. So we sit down. And he said, I want to ask your permission to marry your daughter and I wanna take care of her for the rest of her life. And I was like, do you know what that means? All right, so I appreciate that. Do you understand what that means? He goes, I do, I do, Mr. Mike. And he's really, really good with finances. He's really good. And so he said, when I wanted to get married, I had 10 things I wrote down that I wanted in a wife and your daughter is nine of them. I was like, well, that's sweet. Now my mind is like, but what's the one thing he said? Well, I prayed she'd be good with finances and she isn't, but I'm willing to work with her, right? So it's a struggle, right? It's a struggle we all have. Where does it begin though? We consider God, but look at number two. We consider others. This cat in the story, he didn't think about anybody but himself. Do you know that he used the word I six times? I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and I'll say to myself is what he said. Look at what all you've accomplished. So Let's just do a little softball question here make make us feel good about ourselves. Um, when we leave this earth 100% we all count on it. We will all leave this earth one day, all right? When we leave this earth, will we take any of our wealth with us, yes or no? Can we all agree on that? No. Done a lot of services. No U-Hauls behind the hearse. I mean, nobody. You leave everything. But let's say you get this. Consider God, consider others. And you say, I'm not gonna hold my money like this guy did. I'm gonna learn my lesson. I'm gonna live with my 80% in my life like this. God, it's yours. Use it to bless people. Yes or no question. If you learn to bless others with what you're stewarding, will that money live on through the lives of other people? Yes or no? Yes, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. All of a sudden, we create margin in our lives to bless other people. One of the greatest feelings in the world is being able to bless someone else. I believe, this is where I I differ from a lot of people. I believe everybody wants to, but, but most of us have so much debt we don't have margin to. We just can't. We're like, Mike, this sounds great. I'd love to give to the church and I'd love to bless other people. I I can't. I hear about this. We just can't do it. So it's called pause. We offer two things here at North Star. One, financial life coaches. They will sit down with you and do a budget. Go to our website, look up financial, financial life coaches. These are trained men and women that sit down with you, and I encourage every young couple to do this before they start their marriage, because if they get this right, it changes everything. Second, we have a small group called Financial Peace. A good friend of mine, Pete Douglas, leads this group, and Pete is one of the wisest men I know with his finances. And Pete just texted me a second and said, I am blown, my, my phone's blowing up right now with people signing up financial peace. Why? Because if you get this right, how you do anything is how you do what? Everything. We consider God, we consider others, but here's the key to the story, is to consider Eternity. What's, here's the question you could write down. What's going to make a mark? Remembering it's God's or thinking it's mine? This guy in the story, he tells the story about all he thought about was here, he never thought about there. I'm gonna build some more barns. And I'm, I listen, awesome. Okay, and, and we may have people of different flavors in here as far taste of food. I think we can all agree, everybody likes Chick-fil-A. I've seen you all in the drive-thru, all right? And so, we all love Chick-fil-A. Yes or no? Is that Kathy made a lot of money during his lifetime when he was alive? Yes. What did he use that money for? He just keeps blessing people. The more that comes in, the more they give away. You know what Truett began to do early on? Consider eternity. And God's just laid his hand of favor and blessing on it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's say you get in 86 years here on this earth. In the span of eternity, it's a second. It's a second. I mean, it's here, and then it's gone. When we live like this, we're reminded, life ain't gonna last forever. I love how Jesus closed up, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Basically what Jesus said was, you ain't gonna enjoy any of it. So here we sit in 2021. I have two options. I can live like this, or I can live like this. I see a good friend, Josh Webb, sitting back here. And a couple years ago, Josh, turned us on to a video. And they were talking about, do I want to be a spoon? Or do I want to be a ladle? Do I want to give people a little bit with a spoon? Or want to be able to dip in and serve with a ladle? And you're like, Mike, what's a ladle? It's a big spoon. All right, and so it's, we pour it out. I want to live like this or do I want to live like this? In 2017, I lost both my parents. Many of you know that story. My mother, to this day, the most generous person I've ever met, not even a close second. She, she join rich. I'm just telling you, she lived like this. Whatever came in, went out. I was standing at the funeral home as people were coming by and a young couple would walk up and say, Mike, we went in. My mom worked at the bank for 36 years. This couple would say, Mike, I remember when we moved to Fayetteville, we didn't know a soul and your mom was the first person we met and we were poor as house mice. And I remember your mom at the end of that meeting at the bank and we'd set up our checking account or whatever it was they were doing and I remember your mom giving us some this was her phrase some spending money here's some spending money I heard that story 30 times standing in that line and sister I didn't even know this off at college her parent Ann's parents were going through a transition and their job and her sister said, Oh yeah, every month your mom mailed me cash, a roll of quarters for the laundromat at liberty. She lived like this. And my brother, my sister, and I, we we got together after it was all done, and I'm like, I don't know what she kept. Because I don't I think she gave away everything. She gave away everything. But God just kept giving to her because he knew she was a good manager. she just kept blessing people and she'd been gone a couple months and I get a call from a their financial advisor one day and said we just found an account your mom had open somewhere and so you and your brother and sister are going to get some more money and I thought that's just like mom giving after she's gone I looked at Ann I said we can go on vacation with that Ann said your mom will curse you you go on vacation with that money you better give that away Here's my challenge to you as a church, to me. I pray that my life is typified by this. We live in a community right now that's mourning the life of Pastor Mike Stevens at Burnt Hickory. Made a mark 30-something years pastored that great church. Do you know why everybody misses him? Because he lived like this with his life and his money. That's the kind of life that leaves a legacy. Would you pray with me, Father? This lesson was for this young man, but God, you left it in your Word for us. Maybe somebody's watching today. Maybe somebody's sitting in our room today, and they say, "Mike, that's that's me." So then the question becomes, well, "What do we do with it?" And that's our choice. Just let the Lord speak to your heart, would you? If he's telling you to get on there, man, get in that financial peace group. You, you and your spouse have argued enough about money. Let's don't argue anymore. Let's get a plan. Meet with a coach. Get that area right. because how you do anything. is how you do everything. Father, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for being a patient father as we hit bumps and get bruises. But God, even if we're 60 today, it's never too late to start doing what's right. And I pray that we will. And I pray it in Jesus name.